Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, all right. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of A Little More Good coming at you. Very, very excited to have had this conversation but also to share it with all of you. We sat down with uh, really like a living legend. Scott Jurek. Scott Jurek. One of, one of the top 10 runners of all time. He's honestly an incredible athlete, done amazing, amazing feats of, of running and endurance, and also just like one of the most humble and kind and like approachable, personable you know, people we've, we've encountered. Yeah, we had this event um, prior to the podcast at um, with Planted Expo and Van Runco, and there was like I don't know 150 people there or something like that. Easily, yeah. There's there's a lot of people, and um, it was the Scott Jurek Fun Run. It was like a, a cruisy 8k um, from you know around part of Stanley Stanley Park and back along the seawall, and I was just in awe of Scott's. Uh, humility and his his grace and how he was so open and um, energized to connect with absolutely every single person there. He made himself available and he made it a point that he ran with every single person there. He checked in yeah. and it wasn't just fluff. He had like a meaningful, quick connection with every single runner. Yeah. And when he gave his energy to to give a, a talk at the at the run, it was just he was so present. Um, and then just to kind of further, um, you know, toot his his horn, uh, while we were waiting to do this podcast, it was after after his you know main stage speech at Planted, and of course, being Scott Jurek, he had a lineup of people that wanted to connect with him. And, yeah. and being the endurance man that he is. <laughs> not just in running, I was just, again, in awe that he gave his full self to every single person that waited to have their book signed or to say hello. Um, 
it was a lesson in a lesson in presence and um and and gratitude and how he showed his gratitude to all of all of the people that were were there for him yeah is incredible yes it's incredible and then you know hopped in the car zipped uh, zipped across town to where we're recording a few vegan donuts later and he was he was ready to go yeah that's just incredible such a such a kind person it was so fun um we're excited to to share this with you scott he he doesn't do a lot of podcasts it seems like um so we just felt feel very privileged to be able to have connected with him in this way and her you know hear some stories and have some fun just uh just sharing that in this in this um format but if you don't know if, if this is your first time or you know you're not sure exactly who this guy is amazing amazing runner um plant-based runner started uh, his journey into veganism like 20 years ago and just found that he was you know able to continue to run and do the things he loved and and find success some of his achievements he holds the trail speed record on the uh, record on the Appalachian Trail 46 days eight hours and seven minutes for just a, you know, small effort of two, 2000, uh, almost 2200 miles. So wild. Um, what else? Seven times consecutive winner of the Western States hundred mile endurance race. Like that's insane. Winner of the hard rock hundred mile endurance race. National geographic named him as adventure of the year runners world top 10 greatest runners of all times men's health, 100 fittest men of all, like it's just the accolades are there in terms of his achievements and things that he has done and, you know, continues to push himself, recognizing obviously, right, every day we're all getting older and there's people who are coming up behind us that are as capable or, you know, able to to do the things that we've done, but just finding out how can he continue to progress and push and pursue greatness in, in his life now. And I mean, it's just, it's so humbling and inspiring to be in the orbit of someone like Scott and just watch him operate, as you said, with just people who are fans um, to, to sitting down to have this conversation. So we cover all kinds of stuff about his, his running career, personal life, veganism, all of it. It's just a great, great conversation. Yes. And, and just to echo what Dean's saying, if, uh, if Scott Jurek is, is new to you, uh, he's also got some incredible books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bor- Born, uh, he's a central character in Born to Run, yeah. which is one of my favorite books. Eat and Run is an incredible book um, that he authored um, that kind of journeys his, his vegan journey, um, but as well as his, his running journey and his latest book, North, uh, his, his journey in the Appalachians. Um, incredible inspiring stories of, of, you know, personal challenge of what's possible of, you know, health and nutrition and just the headspace of, of going far and going deep and going beyond what we think is possible. Totally. So, uh, I'm excited uh, to to relive this conversation and I hope you're all as inspired by Scott as, uh, as we are. Yeah. Scott Jurek, everyone. All right, all right. We're super excited to be sitting here with, uh, not to float your boat too much, but one of the greatest runners of all time, uh, Scott Jurek. Thank you, Scott. Well, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's good to be back in Canada. Yes. yes, welcome back. We're talking hockey the whole time, right? That's right. This is officially a <laughs> hockey podcast yeah. now. <laughs> Minnesota North Stars, Mike Medano. Yeah. No dude no. to boot it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we were joking on the run yesterday. We had a, a fun run, the ultra fun run with you yesterday that um, 
We're feeling major Trevor Linden vibes from you, and Trevor <laughs> Linden is royalty here in Vancouver, Mr. Captain. I Come forgot on. to look that up last night. That was one I forgot to Google because, yeah, I, I, you know, I heard that name, but I was like, Am I, do I really? Yeah, I got to like double check that we're, and we're, see what if that really holds up. We'll show yeah. you some pictures after. He's kind of got a, a similar stature to you, like a tall, tall endurance athlete now. He's like um, kind of a triathlon triathlete uh, cyclist and he's got like similar curly locks to yourself oh, nice. so yeah. does he have the mullet going i mean yeah because i'd have to get the mullet out if i were gonna be a a hockey doppelganger I feel like. a true hockey star i definitely i definitely think he rocked it for a time yeah but now he's like he's pretty stylish so oh, okay all yeah, right awesome like, so, know, can, yeah. so if you get well the mullet has never gone on style in canada it's right made, i feel made, like in never. minnesota probably not oh, I think, it's yeah. true yeah. it's i feel like it's made a strong comeback these last few years too i see people with like they're called like trendy mullets now oh, that's it's not true, like yeah. I've yeah. had this since the 80s mullet. It's yeah. like, no, I'm yeah. doing this on purpose now, and it's cool. You're like, okay. That's kind of fake. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can't. Yeah, I don't know. You got you to gotta be able to rock it whenever. Yeah. So yes. you're either going to get stopped here because someone is a huge fan uh, and knows knows about your amazing accomplishments as an ultra runner. We have lots of uh, amazing trails and stuff here in Vancouver, North Vancouver. Or someone's going to be like, yo, is that Trevor Lynn? That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So you can take a selfie either way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I should have uh, been a hockey player. My yeah. parents had let me. So. Yeah. Still got time. Yeah. Still got time. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, running, you've, you know, if you look at your list of accomplishments, it's like kind of like a Hall of Fame list of, of what you've you've accomplished. When when did you first kind of identify as a runner and realize that you had had ability or had the mindset to be able to get into that sport? I mean, for me, I was a resistant runner, really. I uh, kind of just kept saying no to running all the time. And I mean, I don't even know, like, it's so funny because people like, love to say, like, oh, I'm not a runner, um, yes. you know, or I am a runner. Like, people are really proud. Like, I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like I am who I am running obviously has been a big part in my life, but mm. it's not everything that has defined me. And I know it seems weird. <laughs> Somebody who's uh, sitting here, who's uh, done a lot in that sport. And that's been obviously a huge passion of mine, but yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe identifying as a runner, like in terms of like, Oh, maybe I could do this sport was probably when I started Nordic ski racing in high school, like uh, just on a whim, like some guys were saying, oh, there's a boys cross-country ski team starting up. There was just only a, a female team back in my high school. And so I decided, oh, I've been on cross-country skis a little bit. I've been on alpine skis a little bit. <laughs> I'll do this. And yeah. it was very humbling and uh, enjoyed the process, loved being out in the woods. And you know, if you're not snowmobiling or skating on a pond or rink, which I've done all of the above, um, you end up doing some kind of skiing or snow sport. And it was really fun to get into that um, more seriously. And then in the off season, a coach said, okay, if you want to be ready for next season, you've got a bike, roller ski, rollerblade, or run. And I couldn't afford any of the other options. So running was my only option. And I, I learned, I guess, to finally love running again. And whereas a kid, we all run at some point, right? Yeah. And like, can chased around, and I have a four and six year old, and just like they just love to run. Yes. But it has to be around some kind of game or like doing something. And 
I guess that's that's like the disconnect for a lot of people is at some point running becomes punishment, whether it's mm-hmm. for sports or, oh, you got to do laps or you got to do oh running. And then it becomes boring and or it becomes this like thing like, oh, it's a drudgery. Yeah. And for me, I just kind of resisted it for so long, even though like I was the second. This is what's funny. I was the second place, fourth grader, fifth grader and sixth grader in my school district. Every year we do this cross country race and I would get sent from my school. And I was second place and it just irked the cross country coach. I didn't go out for cross country when I was a seventh grader in junior high, yeah, yeah. high school. Um, yeah. And just really was like, ah, I'm not really into it. And then it was trail running in that, that summer when my coach, my cross country ski coach said, oh, you got to run or do something. And there were a lot of days I was like, oh, this sucks. Like <laughs> getting the runner's trots, getting side aches and yeah. going out for, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight miles throughout the summer, learning how to just build that up. And then started to appreciate later, but it really wasn't until like, okay, I can meld something like being out in the woods as a hunting and fishing boy who loved being out there in the wild. Um, now it was like, okay, I can combine running with that and being out in the woods. That's, that's when it really like, okay, maybe I can be a runner. Yeah. When did it switch for you from like the idea of I'm doing this as training for my sport of like cross country to being like, this is now my sport. Um, probably after my first 50 miler, like I kind of did it on a whim and like, Oh, some buddies like said, Oh, you should try this ultra running thing. Oh, this 50 miler. Um, and I ran my first, yeah, my first 80 K race, uh, 50 miler was the Minnesota Voyager. And I ran my first marathon and with the plans of like then a month later running my first 50 miler. And after I finished right away, I said, never again. That was like the <laughs> hardest. I finished second. Like I had, I guess, wow. a successful run in that. It was kind of like the local race. There'd be people from maybe a couple hours away that would run it, but it wasn't huge. But um, still, it was second place. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. But at the same time, like that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm like, no way. Yeah. <clears throat> Not doing it again. Um, but then I think that wore off and mm-hmm. then realized like, you know, maybe I should give this a go a little bit more. So each year I'd run this race again and again, and then I would start delving into the history of ultra running more and like watching stuff about Western States. And then yeah. it's like, okay, it, it started like coalescing, so to speak. That's crazy. And getting it. Yeah. Does that run still go that first one that you did? Yeah, it does. And I still had the course record until a few years ago, really? a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was my last course record still standing. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I think I had the Diaz Vista for a while here too. That one was pretty long running, but yeah, yeah. Uh, all records get broken. But yeah, the Minnesota Voyager is, um, yeah, it was a, something that really in that record, um, yeah, it was fun to hold that for quite a while. And just That's that race. Cool. Was, was that one of the first records that you captured being local or is it something that you came back to? Um, I had to, it took a few years. Yeah. Like the record holder uh roger pakuri i believe was his name i'm surprised i remember that it was like uh, a while back that he he i never actually i don't think i i mean i met him at some point along the line but he wasn't like in the scene a whole lot anymore but it was like again i think having those like lofty things out there and, and finally i i cracked the code after i think it was my fourth try okay. my fourth go at it and yeah it was pretty cool because and it, it came together with uh, a friend and actually my former boss at a running shoe shop who actually he and I were just dueling it out and that record was so close and oh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's so cool. But then even then I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to make this huge, you know, career out of ultra running or this is going to be something, you know, I just did a couple races every year. Yeah. Cause well, and was that like really a thing? Um, 
nowadays, like we look at it and go, wow, people have made whole careers out of doing this. And like, you can by design say, I want to be there. Like I want to capture these records and run these amazing races. There's a lot more like notoriety and stuff out there. But like, was that a thing that was like, became, and obviously became what you did, but it was, was it intentional? Like a design to say, Hey, like I, I'm okay at this. Like maybe this is what I'm going to do. Or was it kind of just like something you enjoyed and you happened to be good at it? I think it was the latter. Like I, I enjoyed it. Um, but it didn't consume me in the way of like, Oh, this is going to be like, I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have a whiteboard with like, Oh, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to like become a you know, champion ultra runner or yeah. here's how I'm going to tick off all these like big races. I think back then too, the world was pretty small. I like to, <laughs> I'm probably dating myself, but this was like pre internet or like, I remember Netscape my, when I was running Western States for the first time, Netscape was in its infancy. Yes. And like, um, a lot of it was literally what you would read in ultra running magazine. Okay. Like that was the source and it was this black and white kind of more race results across the country of ultras. And that was really the main source. And then there was like old wide world of sports footage from the eighties. Um, when they used to cover like Western States, I think they covered it a few times and then Leadville and like those things kind of creeped in, but the world was really small in my eyes and that I wasn't planning like, Oh, I'll maybe someday go to Western States, but wasn't plotting this like, Oh, and there definitely was no, there's a huge carrot out there in terms of like money or like yeah. making a profession out of it. It was, it was really, I think that that's what it was so cool back in the day. It was so pure in that if you wanted to do that sport, you did it alongside a career, a job. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no, there wasn't much I guess you could be a dirtbag, so to yeah, speak, yeah, and yeah. an ultra run. But um, I guess it wasn't even a thing because you, you just realize, like, I mean, if you worked other jobs, especially if it was, like, physically hard, to get out and train and do ultra marathoning was, yeah, not as common. Yeah. But I did meet, you know, a lot of my friends, like, yeah, blue-collar workers. I would do stuff like work under heavy equipment, and then on the weekends they'd go and do these races. I mean, they weren't winning them, but yeah. they loved to do it. And I think that's – that's what once I did get out of Minnesota and meet more, there was this eclectic crew in Minnesota, but seeing what was happening out in California, for instance, and getting exposed to that, then realizing like, oh, there's this whole band of, I don't know, I wouldn't say misfits, but like a, a motley crew of individuals and <laughs> yes. people that you're like, whoa, I would never hang out with that person because they think this way. And, oh, I would never hang out with this person because they do this line of work we all came together and would like camp out at races yeah. and, and hang out. And I think that's what created this really cool vibe of like, yeah. we would see, it would be like, Oh, you're doing the circuit. You're like, you're on the, <laughs> you're on the tour, so to speak, like yeah. kind of like a music festival that would rove. It's and like, that was really cool. The usual suspects turn up to all the events and yeah, you knew who was who. Um, sometimes there'd be a, you know, a lone wolf out there yeah. and be like, Oh, you know, look at, look at that gal. Like, Oh, she, you know, we hear she's been like winning stuff and you know because again it was such a cool sport too because like they were women that were sometimes running alongside and maybe not the top men but occasionally you had people like ann Trayson or you had um and that's what kind of made it cool too is really inclusive even though it still was male dominant yeah you saw more and more females coming to the sport and yeah it was just and again just really interesting characters that's what i loved about it yeah hanging out i would never probably get a chance to hang out with these people if i weren't ultra running yeah and it's cool like the the trail running and i would assume like ultra running community is like such a welcoming space like road running is fun and there's high fives and good vibes for sure all around 
but it does feel like maybe more like transactional. Like you show up, you run your race, you get your medal and like off you go maybe with your friends or whatever. But like there is such a sense of like camaraderie and community. Like when you take the same sport, but like put it in, and put it in nature and like do it on trails. Yeah. And like people that. would hang out. I mean, cause if you got a ride with somebody, if you drove to the race and I know a lot of uh, folks, or if you camped out there, it was, um, there was a reason like you had to hang out anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then it was be like, Oh, just drink some beer. And then it was like a party that <laughs> kind of like, just like blew up and gradually grew and grew. And it was, um, yeah, I think it was like, I think hangouts in the truest of form, like people, um, didn't care what your background was. And again, what your religion, what your political views, you just yeah. like all that kind of just got pushed aside. Like, Oh, I appreciate you as a person. Right. I think that's uncommon and just almost extinct in a lot of ways oh, these yes. days. So that's where thankfully there are things like altering that it's yes, there's money in the sport. It's changed some, but at its core, um, a lot of there's a lot more races and a lot of those races still have those like vibes of what things used to be. And that's cool. Yeah. And road running again, I, I love road racing and I think it's great to get people into running. It's way more inclusive because yeah. before you used to have to be like, okay, you're a runner. If you show up for a running race now, it's like, Oh, I might only be able to run half the time or a quarter of the time, or I, you know, can only make out 12 minute miles. And, so road running is way more inclusive than it ever has been. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But people, like you said, don't stick around <laughs> for hours and hours after, you know. Yeah. And much less, yeah. But there's still like a good social vibe now, I think, with road running. Totally. Um, it's kind of like cycling, I think, has gotten better and better. There's like some sports, triathlon, where it's like, oh, it used to be just not a fun scene. Yeah. <laughs> like people very uptight, very competitive. Uber very, competitive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but there's some of that in ultra running too for of sure course, yeah. we just used to you know shit talk more and do things like that yeah <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really always happen <laughs> yeah. um nowadays or maybe there's like too much of it now with social media yeah and like, you can easily say stuff even though you can't back it up whereas before yeah we just you know talk smack about people and yeah. just like get away with stuff that and also it was like tongue in cheek and very respected and be like, Oh yeah, we're like total enemies now, but after we'll have a beer. And yes. Out. Yeah. Just, just like Michael Jordan would talk smack, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, then, and uh, you know, he'd respect his competition off the court, but uh, whatever motivated him on the court. Yeah. You have to have that motivation. I think that's, that's the beauty. And I mean, races and competition are like a celebration. And for some people it's, you know, a different level of competitiveness. Um, but it spurs performance. It spurs like people testing their limits. If you didn't have that clock or that competitor pushing you out on the race course, I know for myself, like I wouldn't have done a lot of the things I did without that. So I think, you know, as much as people say, Oh, competitiveness. And like, we've kind of come into this world, I think now where, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't speak of Canada, but I think in the U.S., like, oh, we want to make things, you know, fair and are like, oh, it's got to be, you know, everyone's got to feel included. But like competition is what makes the world run. And I think um, you can have a healthy respect of it and use it in healthy ways. Yeah. But it's it's tricky because if like, you know, like, oh, you just go out and run and it's all, you know roses and rainbows and like, oh, yeah. it's just, you know, we're out here doing our thing and meditating. And I, I like all those aspects of running. But yeah. 
competition is. It doesn't it doesn't push you, right? And I, I think that I really like what you said where like you can be competitive and competitors and that's the thing that actually drives you and it helps you to excel. So you might look at someone and be like, oh like that guy's out in front or you know, on my heels or whatever it is. And it may you may not love that, right? You may not love that person in that moment for chasing you up or having to, you know, why how come they're so much further ahead? But like there's gratitude in recognizing like, oh, this person is helping to push me to be a better version or a stronger version or to do something that I didn't know I would have in me. And if he or she wasn't there leading me or chasing me, maybe I wouldn't get that result that I got. Right. And so it's kind of seeing the person and valuing them, even when they're like pushing us into our own discomfort, which I don't know, maybe the whole world just needs to like run an ultra marathon to like <laughs> solve solve the world's problems. Yeah, well, and there's not, I mean, in ultra too, we don't have like thugs of the sport. Although, you know, like there's a really like, why are there fights in hockey or yeah. I mean, not to, I don't know, like, you guys are big hockey fans, but like my wife just, you know, loves sports, but she's, she can't quite understand everything about hockey. And um, she's just like, really? Like, what's the point of that? Like, yeah. what's the, but there's like, this um i don't know there's this pecking order there's this competition within like the team and yeah. like the competitors and again like i don't think these individuals would want to do that it's just like in basketball and other sports where just like people just hate each other but you know a lot of it is like to drive that competitive spirit to push one another and yeah. ideally yeah they wouldn't want to do that outside of the game but right. when you're in i mean when you're in the game, when you're in the arena, when you're in that mode, it's, yeah, yeah it's a different kind of thing. Totally. But, um, yeah, it is a weird thing because, you know, I'm a peace-loving person for the most yeah. part. I'm a good guy. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's still okay to turn on the competitive edge. And I think sure. it's hard now to, like, yeah, in this day and age of, like, being so woke of, like, oh, we got to make things fair. got to make every, everyone feel like, unfortunately, like, the world's not fair. And having kids, like, how do you, nowadays, having kids, like, okay, you want to, you don't want to have like competition be the only thing. Like mm-hmm. sometimes my daughter's so competitive about just like the most mundane things. And like, I swear I did not do that. I'm sure some people think, Oh, Scotcher. Cause it's like creating yeah, listen, a, a competitive Karen, monster. Yeah. You're the first one all the time. Yeah. Don't there's come no home. dinner for you. That's right. But it's crazy how I think that's like embedded in the human DNA. I mean, that's yeah. like, yeah. there's a struggle to survive that's in us. Cause sometimes I'm like, Whoa, I have not even like, gone in that zone to like yeah. but she's like gets so committed whether it's putting together a logo thing or the yeah, lego thing legos, and like yeah. legos or didn't i'm just like you do not have to get that frustrated and mad but you can yeah. see in kids like you're like that's just there because they want to yeah, do things totally. or competitiveness between siblings and like making things like who can get dressed the fastest but it's what i think brings out ideally the best it can also bring out the rune of like the human species too because yeah. like it can be too much where like everything is about success and money sure. and greed and so how, how do you balance <clears throat> that sense of competition in, in a few ways like one you've achieved so much and two like as you've uh gotten gotten older in the sport and still you know taking on huge feats like the appalachian trail like how do you balance that sense of competition versus like you know showing up to enjoy things and participate like we we're talking about participation and inclusion like do you still have the drive to be number one um i guess two parts how does that change when you've basically won all of the the big races that you could win 
and two as you know younger runners are coming up and and you've been in the sport for a long time how does that perspective on competition and winning kind of evolve it's yeah it's something like i I, you know i've been i guess fortunate or like had the opportunity to have a lot of success in the sport um and you know competition always like fluctuates and there's times when you know right now ultra running has become very popular so a lot of people in it so the competition has become more and more fierce um and i've always welcomed it and i guess for me there is a point though too where i i wouldn't say i grew tired of it but there like the flame inside started not burn as like mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i was just kind of like and, and I love the sport. I love giving back. I've always done that along the way. And I've also gone out to races and just run for fun or, for sure. you know, been in another. So I've been able to, cause there's some athletes, if they're not like competing, yes, they're they're not like, sure. I like, don't want to be there. Why, they don't why be. do it? And like yeah. some of them just can't like, or they just, yeah, don't want to do that. And so I've always had a pretty healthy relationship with it. So I think that helped. But then when I got to the point, I mentioned this in North a lot because it's like, how do you, Obviously, people would tell me, I, <laughs> there was a fan that um, it, it said something on social media, I think somewhere, my wife told me I don't like read all the comments, like I try to like tune a lot of that stuff out because I think it can get too much in the head, but there was a fan that said like, you know, less, um, you know, you need to be less <laughs> young Skywalker and more Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, awesome. And I was like, you know, that that is a good point the kind of like hey it's time to like move on and but there's still some things i want to do and yes. i know i could like am i going to run my best 100 miler no and i'm like okay with that um regardless of like what i had won but i've had the opportunity to win a lot and it is hard to keep that flame burning hard like and a lot of people would just love to see me like at the top of my game winning race much like i'm sure people would love to see Wayne Gretzky out there playing still but the reality is you're only going to have so many peak years yeah, yeah. And I feel like I I burned a lot of those candles, if not all of them. But there's still like some things I can kind of do and get away with at my age and my 40s now. Um, but no, I'm not going to beat the latest and greatest 100 mile racer out there. But could I run the Appalachian Trail as fast as possible? You know, those kind of things are still there. Yeah. But then it's still hard to, you know, get that drive to do it. And I I mentioned this a lot in North of a lot of people would be like, just call it good. And I think that's where the back to that comment by somebody on social media is like maybe like oh you just need to like hang it up but at the same time like yeah but there's still things i can learn and so that's what for me is like how can i still put my in a position where i'm super uncomfortable challenging myself using that competitive drive but yeah in reality like sure there are a lot of days i'm like it's kind of nice just like not have competition hanging over my head or training for something really hard and just enjoying the run for what it is and enjoying the time out there. And um, so, yeah, it's tricky, but when you don't have, like sometimes like, oh, I wish I had a little bit more of that. Oh, I can't be here unless I'm competing because sometimes I can philosophize a little bit too much and yeah. think myself out of it. Like, yeah. Oh, do I still have it? Right, right. And being like, oh, you know, it's it's been pretty good. Like, what, what do I need? You know, that gets in your head like, oh, do I really need to be out here doing this? Do like, and that's not a good, like you have to be able to tune that out because when you're in the moment, everyone thinks that like, oh, do I really need to like push myself? Do I really need one more? Like, and it's, yeah, it's tricky. Cause I'm like, no, it's not about me thinking I need one more thing to tick off or accolade or accomplishment. It's yeah. because I really think I'm learning something out there. Yeah. Which is well, huge. Like, and there's always lessons on the trail. Yes. I think, I think that's the one Definitely. of the beautiful things about running 
it's humbling it's challenging it's it's beautiful um you can learn a lesson pushing yourself to a max on a 5k you know pb or you can you know do a long slow distance run and get to like a beautiful meditative headspace and you know come home as the best version of yourself there's so many lessons on the trail and that can be in competition or in just you know lacing them up and going for a a long slow run totally so that's where yeah i think yeah for me it's yeah how do i get that it's like i have to be selective now in terms of how i use that competitive energy and drive because after using up a lot of it on the appalachian trail everyone's like oh what's next like what do you do like you can get wrapped up and be like oh i need to do more of these and the reality is do i need to um, because there's to? a lot more I can do yeah. with the sport and like running and there's so many other things. And so that's, yeah, it is tricky because having the pair, I've been fortunate enough, like I didn't have this plan. Like I'm going to be a professional ultra runner. And <laughs> unfortunately it happened like towards the end of my career where I actually, okay, I'm making some money. Whereas before it was like, oh, put a trip on a credit card, put another trip on a credit card and just, you know, it was almost $30,000 credit card debt just because I was following a passion and working a job. But it wasn't like paying for itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my, I remember an accountant was like, yeah, you did get a little bit of money in terms of sponsorship dollars. And like, I remember being paid and like, I only got travel expenses covered for a while. Um, and that was after I was already so much in debt. So, um, I remember my accountant saying, yeah, um, unless you're making money, you can't really claim this as like, you know, a business or anything. So, um, so I've come from like different ends of it. And now that, yeah, I do running is a portion of how I make money, but you know, it's the other aspects too. It's a hustle too. It's not like, Oh, there's this huge amount of money out there. Um, yeah. When you compare it to some other endurance sports like cycling, I was just talking to somebody like, Oh yeah, some top gravel riders are making, you know, multi six figures. I was like, what? Oh, really? Yeah. Like these niche, I'm like ultra running has never really seen that kind of money. Yeah. It's kind of been more with like the rock climbers and like, like you mentioned, like the dirt bag. Like I remember looking at old running magazines and like, it was more along that sort of like outcast dirt bag culture of like you mentioned misfits. Yeah. Um, like a, a community of its own versus um, some other sports that were more, glamorized or, or sought after and that's what's been you know it's been fun to see that like you mentioned like nowadays and it's great when i see like young i call them kids because i feel like they are but when you see the the next generation the younger generation um cobbling you know somewhat of a living it's still not, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean there's a few out there but like yeah it's like kids stay in school because ultra running is definitely not like the, <laughs> yeah not the, golden the, the best yeah the golden ticket out there but people are doing it and that's because they love it. It's just like the climbing scene. And yeah, there are the, you know, friends, my wife's at climbers. I've gotten to know a lot of, uh, friends in the climbing scene, like, you know, the Tommy Caldwell's, the Alex Hans, yeah. the Lynn Hills. There's a handful of folks that have been able to make a living, but a lot of times those of us in these niche sports were making a living because we can yeah. do other things, endorse, like, it's like I said, it's a hustle. It's like, yeah. you're not, Oh yeah, you just do this. And all you get to do is eat, sleep and run. Um, it's doing other things outside of that. Yeah. And, and it's great too, because I, I prefer that versus, Oh, just eating, sleeping, running the whole time. I think that's maybe been a benefit in my career. I didn't burn out mm. because for the most part, I had to work a job. I had to pay the bills other ways. And I think that kept me more balanced because would I have run 200 mile weeks all the time, just run my brains out and legs out if I had the luxury to maybe. Yeah. 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 
I love it. I think it's uh, it, it makes it like accessible too. Even though you know, for someone, these distances are like maybe unfathomable. Like I don't think I could do it. But like it it puts it on a plane of like it's an every person's sport. Like you don't have to be some sort of set apart, super sponsored athlete where it is like your life is that thing. It's like, it can be your passion and it can coincide along with a job and even a family. Right. I mean, there's always going to be trade-offs and sacrifices along the way, but. And you may not be the best. (laughs) You might not be winning races. You may, but you might be being the best that you can be. And like, oh yeah, you can only run 30, 30 hours. I mean, sorry, 30 miles a week. Um, yeah, not 30 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like the pros that's or those. A, that's that a good week. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But the people that, yeah, and I have friends that, you know, ran hundreds on 100 mile races on yeah. 30 miles a week, but they just, you know, loved doing it. And they had a base, like they, yep. they knew how to take care of their body in races and that sort of thing. So it, it's, um, it is really cool. And, in, and it's great that, and I'll be the first to say, cause there are some, I don't know, like folks have been around the sport for a while, like did not like the explosion of ultra running when things happened, like, you know, whether it was the you know, onslaught of born to run fans that are like, Oh, might want to try an ultra like this popularization. There's been waves of that throughout this sport, but, um, I'm all for it. I mean, it, it is, yeah, it sucks for people when you try to get into races that have big, long lists of people and less spots and lotteries and all these things that they have to do. But in general, the, the fact that people are finding the sport of ultra running or running is awesome. I think overall, it's just, we're in that growing pain stage because a lot of these races can't grow because they're in, you know, wild and amazing, beautiful places that have limits on who use be, yeah. and who can, who can be in there. So yeah, it is, it's tricky, but, um, I'm all for it, but it has, and then people say, oh, there's money now in the sport, even though it's relatively small, we're not talking. And then there's like, oh, well it get like cycling where there's drugs and, you know, performance enhancing going on and people trying to, so there's growing pains right now probably and like any sport but For overall sure. i think it's it's been great okay you mentioned born to run and um you know i love your books and i also love born to run that was actually one of my introductions to kind of some of your feats um was was reading reading that book and um i kind of became mesmerized with um the copper canyon and that the storytelling of that that race and it was so cinematic reading it i can't imagine what it was like to to actually be there so for some of <laughs> <Yeah>. your your <laughs> super fans that you know us included sitting here um can we just do like kind of a campfire story story style and just yeah. kind of hear like a day in the life of of running in the copper canyon and what that experience was like to actually be there yeah it was it was one of those rare opportunities i mean it's funny if you read born to run, you think I went down there cause I was going to go down there for this amazing race and I was going to go down and kick the tar on his <laughs> ass, you know, <laughs> like, um, and Chris knows how to tell a great story, but yeah. the reality is, and I mentioned this in eat and run that I went down there to just really hang out with these indigenous people who have lived this way for thousands of years and it was pretty that that was the whole purpose of my trip i kind of went down there as a vacation and it turned into like oh now you have to race super hard like you know (laughs) caballo is like oh you know i mean he was placing bets and revving up the town and all the locals they really had huge betting pools going on and they get it was quite the scene and i was just like hey you know i'm down here on vacation it's 100 (laughs) degrees i'm not heat trained i'm 
This is not like on my list of races to yeah. like run hard this year. Yeah, but you're here for um, experience. I rose to the occasion. Yeah, but I mean, for me, it was really to hang out with them. It was so I like the highlight was hiking over the Copper Canyon and down. So we hiked from the very bottom of Bato Pilas, which is one part of the Copper Canyon, over like a high point and ridge, um, basically like a, a rim. So if you can imagine, like the Grand Canyon, um, the Copper Canyon is much like wider and doesn't it's not as compressed so it's a lot bigger um but if you can imagine like you know going to from the south rim to the north rim and then back down into another canyon Mm. that size um and that's what we did and that 30-ish mile day of just you know waking up at sun up till sundown like that was the most magical part of the trip and just watching the taramarans and the way they moved through their land and being able to like essentially i mean we we talk about nowadays um you know respecting and you know honoring the indigenous people who came before us and first nations people but this was like i was doing that with these people what an experience and it's like you know i i was a big fan of national geographic my grandparents had a subscription to National Geographic and like I don't know how they afforded they didn't have a lot of money but like they had a subscription to National Geographic and I would just pour over those pages and just it was just it was like a whole nother world to me living in Minnesota like my extent was driving a car for two and a half hours to Minneapolis St. Paul once a year maybe yeah. so we didn't get out or go to Canada like I as a kid I had been <laughs> to another country Canada and like maybe Wisconsin yeah and like but like the world was pretty small, but seeing those pages and then to be able to do like something like walk and hike and run through the Canyon with these people and have them be not tour guides, but just like be like fellow human beings and them letting me experience it and like understand that watching them, like they knew where like we were out where it was so hot and so arid that you're like, how does anything, you know, there were plants obviously that used to grow without water, but there's just no water anywhere. And then all of a sudden you'd see them like take off and they knew where some little trickle of a spring was. And they, I don't know, it's just like hard to, it's hard to really describe it. It was like watching and hanging out with like a species of, I hate to use the word like, um, I mean, they were just so primal mm-hmm. in in the way of like, wow, it's so amazing to watch. Like we, we try to like study these things as modern humans being like, oh, we want to, you know, learn something from our, like these humans were like, yeah, they were just so in tune with their environment. It's like, I know it's like they're animals, but like having that sixth sense, like of to being, know, yeah. just to know, like, and to watch things, to sense things, to like. And it was really amazing it to like, be a part of. Yeah, that's amazing. It must have like, um, even just thinking through it now as you were telling that story, it's like, it reminds me of like how that's what's normal, really. And yet it's so, we, we've made it that that's like now abnormal. That's the having that intuition and sense of place and knowledge of your surroundings to be like, oh yeah, okay, here here's where we can go to find water, food, shelter, whatever it might be. And we're so like encased in our you know, indoor safe boxes. You go to the sink to get your water, the tap or our fridges nowadays dispense nice, cool water. Like we're so removed from that primal sense 
which we have and like yeah to experience it where there's I mean, just if, like if that. you couldn't get water from a tap or a store where like it'd be interesting to ask like how many how many human beings would you have to ask in like the city of vancouver like oh do you know where your closest water source is that you could drink and could you drink it straight up yes or would you have to treat like those are things that again yeah nobody thinks about these no. days and that's what was really like eye-opening and again watching them move like there was such a quietness and subtly how they conserved energy like mm. anytime you know we'd stop for breaks and they'd just be like so, yeah. all sitting there just like sit down so quietly and so quickly that they're just like oh well we're just gonna sit down i mean there's no wasting energy and when you have to find your own food when you um just live that close to the edge of like calories are like no i don't know i'm trying to think what movie was it when you would lose like life energy like oh and it was like it you was had like your coding. like life bar yeah you had yes. like your box oh. of like you know how much like in a video game <laughs> like how much like, life you yeah, had yeah, left yeah, yeah, well yeah. like that's how i think indigenous you know survival is like because you you know you don't know when your next food and like Nowadays, yeah, they do have connections to go down into towns and stuff, but yeah. they still have that, I think, embedded in them. And it's yeah. so cool to watch, like, oh, why are you standing? Like, it's stupid to stand up yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, you could be sitting down, like, lower your, like, heart rate and just yeah. lower your energy consumption oh, because, yeah. yeah, every... So it was really neat, all those subtleties. And then, yeah. it was, and then on the other hand, like... Kabaya was like, oh, we're going to buy them Coca-Cola. And I just thought that was so stupid. I'm like, I'm buying, you know, these people something that's, like, the epitome of like modern day like garbage yeah and just stuff that kills people in a way you know slowly here in the u.s and yeah. the western world and yeah. we're buying them like sodas and and stuff down in the but we did and it was just so funny to watch them like they like guzzle it down because again it's calories but then they would just chuck the plastic bottle out in the woods like <laughs> so you think like yeah oh these people but it's like to them it was like no concept like oh that everything else everything like, decomposes, decomposes. Yeah. yeah and so yeah um, on the one hand, people would be like, oh, that's just so disrespectful. I'm like, no, they actually just, they don't produce anything that. Yeah. The concept of waste away. doesn't, yeah. doesn't make just, sense. And they, they find this material like tire tread in the Copper Canyon because tires go rolling off into the, the ditches and canyons there. And it's like, oh, this would make great sandal material. And yeah. just, so I think that was the, the highlight of the trip, even though, yeah. again, it was a great race and I enjoyed, yeah, finally. <clears throat> rising to the occasion and competing really hard. But the highlight was just hanging out with them and just yeah. watching them interact. And then of course, you know, several years later, it's like our new foe is like running Boston marathon. He has a cell phone. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just like, Oh man, like it's kind of like, it's uh yeah. Like just like so ironic where mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, it's so amazing. But again, yeah. If given the opportunity, like who doesn't want technology, who doesn't want yeah. convenience. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is interesting how, yeah, we're, we're losing that. And that was something I was so fascinated in, like how, and still to this day, like that, that's a real interest of mine. Like, yeah, we, we are losing the ability to survive as well as learn to be comfortable when we're uncomfortable. And, mm. you know, just that whole concept, there's a, there's a lot there. So, yeah. I don't know if that was the Copper Canyon story you wanted, yeah, but like that, great. that was the stuff that intrigued me the most. When you came home, was there like, did you feel an air of difference at all? Like, was there a takeaway that maybe shifted um, some way that you looked at running or looked at life from kind of seeing it from a more indigenous perspective, like their why of why they run would be different to 
some of our, our whys. Um, just like the example that you used of sitting down when you're resting, you know, like um, when you came home, was there was there any kind of evolution or learnings of, of the kind of your own your own journey? Oh, totally. I mean, and it started, you know, me questioning like, oh, why do we do this? I mean, and I, I guess I've questioned that a lot <laughs> throughout my career, but even more so because just like, oh, gosh, it just seems I, I think there's a lot of. And you can overthink it too and philosophize it too much. But for me, it was a little bit of like, gosh, really, should I be doing it? Like, it's such a luxury. I guess it gave me an appreciation of like, I am doing this because I need to, you know, tap into that primal self and like tap into that genetic code of mm-hmm. survival because we just don't have a lot of opportunities. So it was, it was real contradictory because I'm like, they would never, and this was an example too. I, when we finished uh, getting down to the last road section, um, we were all going to hike into town together. And there's a, a small village called Eureka that we were going into. And Kabayo had this grand idea of like, oh, Tarmarans and these gringos, and we're all going to walk down, you know, and the town's going to greet us. And it had gotten later. We probably had uh, taken longer than we needed to. But the, the town was like, okay, where are they now? And so they drove a bunch of trucks down to the river crossing where we were coming onto the road. And before we could get there, the Taramarans had already jumped on the pickup trucks and be like, there's a ride here. Like, what do you, you guys, so it's like, again, efficiency. It's like, yes. um, we don't need to walk in town. We run every day and hike every day, you know, 20, 30 miles. Like we'll take the ride. We're going to take a ride. Like, you know, you'd be a fool not to. And so it was like, kind of like, oh gosh, you put these people on a pedestal in my mind of like, oh, I can learn so much from them. And like they're hopping in a pickup truck. But then when I got home, it's like, yeah, it's not, it's just a different way of viewing life. And I think that's what's so beneficial in travel is seeing different walks of life seeing and learning from that and for me it's like it also maybe questioning like oh i'm doing this for like fun <laughs> this is what we do whereas this is like survival and mm-hmm. but then again then i can come to realize too after like and it takes a time a bit of time for that to absorb but realizing like, yeah this is we need to do these things because we aren't in these situations. We have such a comfortable life in so many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much mentally. I mean, that's the beauty down there that life is so simple. And now we have, I think more mental health issues than anything. And it's because we're not getting fresh air. We're not right. out in sunlight. We're not, um, we're attached to screens all the time. We're attached to technology and it's really, yeah, we're living in really interesting times. Mm-hmm. Like we're on the cusp of like people, are, hey, hey, we know this stuff, like we should be doing this. And whether it comes to diet or lifestyle, sleep, you name it, like all these like, oh, scientific discoveries. But a lot of this shit is like out there. It's, <laughs> it's like, not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't have to be super sciencey. It's like, uh, what what can we like relearn? Yeah. That we're like yeah. slowly, well, and at this point, rapidly losing. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah. it's, yeah. And that, that, that's why I got into running. I started running with Dean. Yeah. And um, it was the headspace. I had so much mental clarity. I had like new avenues of creativity that I wasn't getting from sitting at a desk. Um, you know, conversations went to places that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get to if you were just like meeting at a cafe. Um, and just like levels of happiness and, and peace of mind that I was finding that I was getting addicted to that headspace more than I was, 
kind of the the physical exercise of it um and they kind of it was this like cross benefit of of mental clarity mental happiness and moving my body um do you find that when you run like where where's the headspace that you you go to i mean i think i guess i've been doing so much of it that sometimes i take it for granted but yes it's the times when i hear from people like how it has transformed them like yourself or you know you hear the occasional study coming out like you know, running endurance exercise can be as powerful as antidepressants. I mean, yeah. these are the things where it's like, holy crap, like this, um, you know, we have something at our fingertips um, and it doesn't cost hardly anything, but, you know, we're not doing it. Mm. And so, yeah, for me, it's, you know, reaffirm like, I guess I, I'm like in a comfortable spot where like, oh, I don't, it, it's not like I get irritable or like, oh, I got to go for a run. Like I've kind of learned how to, maybe keep my I don't know you've evolved <laughs> my psych I don't know again I'm not like I don't know saying oh I'm like some master master like sensei like you know <laughs> um but I think I've like can recognize certain things at certain times and I think that's the the goal uh, at times of life and I like I said I still need to practice it I'm not you know I'm not Yoda but uh, I think that's the things that you learn from uh doing these aspects and that being able to like, okay, I can be okay. Even if I don't get a run, it's not like I'm a caged animal if I don't, whereas I know people who are like that and like everyone's wired differently. Right. So yeah. they, they might need it and they might need it. I mean, I've had friends who, you know, struggle a lot with mental health issues and, you know, running was a, a lot of times a traded addiction for other addictions. And yeah, when you don't have running because you're injured or something like that, like that can be a serious problem because now you don't have your antidepressants or like that natural component going on. And yeah. it's easy sometimes to flip a switch and say, okay, I'll do this because I can't run. And it's like when somebody knows something, it's like, okay, I know this works. Oh, well, now you're going to have to change that. And that's that's hard to do. It can be a spiral for sure. Yeah. yeah. My my thing for that worked for me is, is gone. And, and now what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's tricky. So yeah, I mean, I, and again, I, I, I've not, I've not got all the answers. I haven't figured yeah. everything out, but like I can see, yeah. But it, it's pretty cool stuff, and it's recognizing. I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, that's like when you asked earlier about like, yeah, what kind of things am I jamming on, or like that aspect, and that sometimes get me, it gets me motivated to write a book, and then I think like <laughs> sitting in front of a computer, <laughs> sitting in general kills people and yes. kills humans, so I mean, something is simple, but like oh, sitting in front of a screen and racking my brain, it's so difficult, um, yet it also can be so powerful and rewarding, and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's tricky, like there's a lot of things we do that have two edges to them that yes. it's like oh at one point it can help us <laughs> and I could help other people yeah and, yeah but I I'm really like fascinated with a lot of those aspects and I when I got into yoga early in my running career and breath work and a lot of these things now that are a little bit more mainstream mm -hmm. and it's cool to see like oh now we have apps for you know headspace stuff like you use that word like it's like oh now it's called headspace because meditation is not a cool thing or like yeah. mindfulness is the new lingo and um but it's cool like we've we're getting a lot of these traditions much like you know food and nutrition so like to me like that kind of stuff at this point in my life um yeah it's interesting like what do i want to do i mean that's the biggest thing too like <laughs> i think a lot about nowadays like i have young children but i'm also like oh how old will i be when they're this age and like the reality of like where 
I am in terms of is my cup half full or am I starting to tip towards the other side now? It's becoming less, there's less life out there than I've already lived maybe. You right, know, like right, it's, right. It's an interesting, um, yeah, place. Mm. Like, so does your, I'm does, getting way off tangent, but like, no, yeah, no, those it's... are the things like I think about a lot. Like, like, yeah. Just kind of seeing some of the, the recent success in ultra running. Does your, does your fire light up when you see, someone like Harvey Lewis that's of similar age to yourself, like kind of reaching some successes uh, in his like mid forties. Yeah. I think it's interesting with um, people because some people are like, Oh, well, so-and-so they're still doing stuff when, you know, they're 50 and other oh, stuff. But they, what were they doing when they were 25? Yes. Um, because yes. some people find the sport later in life and because ultra running is not always, the youngest um you can get away with some things you can't get away with it when it's sheer speed like a race like western states one yeah you're not gonna see you can see some young 40 year olds do well but just the reality i mean if you're 25 and you've you're doing things right in terms of fueling your body like it's still it's tough i'm not gonna be that old guy that's like I'm oh, yeah, you, know, you can still you can still you do this i'm just like again you know it's like you know i guess yeah just be obi-wan but like i i know like i race and the problem is you when you burn enough candles um yeah. there's only so many left yeah and like i probably burnt through mine a few lifetimes worth probably. yeah and it's just like doing stuff i didn't race like three four times at a you know like i didn't pick 300 milers a year i tried to pull off like two big races a year sometimes and Sometimes it totally backfired and sometimes I had success with it. But, um, nowadays, you know, you can race all year long if you want and like big events around the world. And so while somebody might say, oh, you can still do it when you're 50 something like, um, I just like, I only have so much of that. So it has to be something I'm really psyched on. Yeah. So while, um, yeah, you'll see master runners, 50 somethings doing it. It's also like, well, did they race super hard? Cause there aren't, aren't a lot of people. I mean, you even see even Killian, I mean, he just won, um, you know, Zagama, which was super cool, but you know, Killian's no young buck anymore. No. He's in his mid thirties now, I think. I think yeah. Could be 35, but so, you know, just, but he's still, you know, doing things, but there is going to be a point, you know, where, where the young I mean, bucks he's so the up crown. there, but he's so up there. I'm, I've never been on that plane. I mean, Killian's like a, I like to say like he's a one of those special human beings. Yeah. There's certain you kind of paved to give you credit. You yeah. kind of paved the way for guys like. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe may not like he's doing, but he, in his range of what he does, it's pretty incredible. But you know, there's going to be a point where yeah, you won't. So, but he's still like able to to hold on to. It. And it's also like you know he I think struggles. I've had conversations, and I know he's like ah oh, he's like ah I don't want to race anymore. I want to climb mountains and want to do like just go enjoy his you know ski exploits and adventures and yeah. challenges he wants to do. So I think sometimes it's like again you have to have the drive for it. So but it's still cool to see like yeah he's still throwing down on these twenty somethings. And I think there are a bunch of East Africans in the race this year. Um, so there's things like that that happen where you're like, oh yeah, you can still do it. But Killian's a super special. Like, he is. Like again, he's in that category. There's certain <laughs> human beings out there, the greats in sports mm-hmm, and whatever mm-hmm. arts or whatever you want to like commit. There's certain individuals like they're special. Like they are modern superhumans in a way. Totally. Like, cut, something. Yeah, cut from a different cloth. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. And then I'm not saying like, oh, but he he had the combination of you know makeup along with social his the way he grew up and. It's just, yeah, it's very unique <laughs> Com- combination, but you know, it's kind of like Alex Honnold. I mean, you know, what allows people to do things like that? I mean, that's, that 
to me is mind-boggling to what makes humans do these things that you're like how does that happen and you know and there's a really lot of cool things in team sports but when people flirt with like death you know there's there's no game of death in hockey or basketball or football or these things which you know it's great to see these sports um but it's yeah it's next level when you see i I was sweating profusely watching that uh that movie with alex honnold climbing uh climbing up the yosemite there um, one one question I, I have, just being a fan of the ultra sport, you know, I watch a lot of the YouTube docs and you see a lot of these people just eating junk, you know, like you see, um, not to throw any shade or anything like that, but you watch like videos with like Courtney DeWalter and stuff and she's just like throwing down like yeah. junk food, you know? But she kind of owns it. Like, like she, she owns it. She, <laughs> she doesn't shy it. away from the fact that she'll eat anything, right? So like, I've always like, what you do makes sense to me and, and you know, you're a pioneer in, in ultra running, but you're also a pioneer in the plant-based movement. Like you've been vegan for 20 plus years before people, you know, had the term veganism, you know? Um, so can you talk about like, was that an, an advantage for, for you bringing nutrition as a consideration into your, your regime? Uh, when others are just like kind of throwing down pizza and pancakes and chocolate bars and you're fueling yourself with like whole grain, plant-based clean, what I think, you know, are nutritional foods. Yeah. Mostly clean fuel. Um, yeah, I guess. And that's like a lot too, to like what my journey has been with a plant-based diet, because, um, I definitely have eaten my fair share of like junk. And I would say even now it's really like tempting to be like, Whoa, there's like you know, unchicken sandwiches that are just like <laughs> yeah. the real deal, which I used to throw down. Like I used to eat two of those and an extra large order of fries. Like yeah. that was like a regular meal, like four or five times a week when I was in college. And so it's fun to see that, but I know that stuff isn't the greatest, right? Like it's a great, it's better maybe than eating the junk that you get in fast food that has meat and dairy and those products in there. But I guess, you know, Courtney is like, Gosh, she's just using her. Yeah, no. And I I mean, I totally like love Courtney and, and, but at the same time, it's like, she's also really young. You can get away with a lot of stuff when you're younger. Um, and you know, it's, um, and and what she does. And I think that as an example, you know, she's just like, Hey, this is how I'm going to eat. But who's to say what she's doing on a regular basis too. Um, cause I'm sure she knows like, Oh, I can't eat this way all the time. Yeah. Or am I going to eat this way for 20 years? Um, but you know, everything in moderation and some people get away with nothing in moderation. <laughs> um, yeah. but when you're young, you can get away with fast food, more. fast yeah, food. You can get away with. So for me to answer that question, I was, not doing it for immediate benefits. In fact, I'll be the first one to say, I say this all the time, like going plant-based was not the reason why I won Western States seven times. Now, was it somewhat of a factor? Sure, but there are a lot of other factors, how you train. Like I would be lying if I told you like, oh yeah, it was a plant-based diet. And sorry, all my plant-based fans out there who are like, but what? what it does do though is much like health, there are performance benefits and the longevity. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been able to do something like the Appalachian Trail, you know, at 41 years old, um, something so grueling, so many days without that base of taking care of my body on a nutritional level. So, again, you can see people who, you know, burn, <laughs> burn uh, things hot and eat a lot of just 
crap um and again you can get away a lot when you're training hard like things burn a lot yeah. better yeah. um than if you're sitting in a desk working behind a screen all the time so um just like i was on the appalachian trail I'll be the first time i met i ate a lot of junk food because mm-hmm. it was the easiest way to be like oh vegan ice cream when yeah. jenny could find it be like calories throw that down yeah. because it. it's like give it to me it's like mainlining you can just pound well you, you mentioned know, you can pound a thousand calories in one you know small pint of ice cream it's like oh, get yeah, it in me yeah, yeah. whatever you, said you do you're burning like over ten thousand calories i mean day. i was burning way more than that i was able to eat sometimes 10, up to ten thousand but like burning i mean i don't even i didn't even you're just compute it out but if you think about it like time. you just because oh sure i was doing you know 50 miles and if you go by the general oh you burn 100 calories per mile um you're not burning five thousand when you're on the appalachian trail because it's not a hundred calories per mile it's probably two three times that because of the terrain right what you're going up and down and the footing and so there i mean i lost 19 pounds over 46 days and i was eating a ton of food like there are some of my friends were blown away like old my buddy you know horty who i write about in north he's just like classic 70 something you know ultra runner he's just like wow i could never eat like that he was so impressed but i still wasn't eating enough like i yeah. was losing um i was also wasn't sleeping much the last few yeah. weeks yeah. um it was just pretty brutal so i had like sleep sleep deprivation and so it, this gets to the point too like is that kind of stuff good for the body probably not right um even if i did, but the reason i think i bounced back probably you know quicker and i hopefully haven't done irreversible <laughs> damage to my body ideally um was because you know again that the plant-based diet i think is something that yes it'll help performance to a certain degree but it's more of like a year-to-year thing of like consistency longevity in the sport um i think that's where it's been most beneficial yeah. but i probably could have eaten anything and still maybe competed well western states but would i have done it seven years in a row and you know been able to be at my best because to get to a race you've got to be able to do the training and what's you know the training it's tearing your body down building it back up and so when you do that day after day week after week month after month year after year um something's gonna catch up with you (laughs) You something's gonna (laughs) something's gonna go haywire and you know nutrition again is just one part of it Mm -hmm. um it's not like it's the magic bullet but it's a big part of it when it comes to like if you want to like reduce oxidative stress when you want to, um, you know, combat free radical formation, all these things now that we're learning more and more about, which we kind of knew about then, but just like, oh, now we have research. But it's like, well, no shit, we should have been, you know, we we knew this. Like, it yeah. wasn't like, oh, eat more blueberries versus eat, you know, <laughs> drink soda. I mean, that's yes. not, We've kind not of rocket science. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like ro- not rocket science, but... Um, now there's more justification. Yeah. And so I think for me, it was a benefit in the fact that I knew what I was putting in my body. I did look at it as like, oh, I'm this is I'm putting in high octane fuel versus just, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. But yeah. when I was on the AT, that was a classic. I was like, I didn't want the whole grain. Like, don't give me the the Dutton. I'm sorry, nut and date bars. Like, just give me like you know, straight on cream. fat donuts. Like, yeah. like whatever would be easiest to, cause you didn't want, I get, I didn't want to chew too much. Too. Yeah. So it's stuff like, again, if I could have had a feeding tube, it would have been a lot easier. I mean, I love food, but um, yeah. yeah, if you're like, cause it's hard to get down that many calories when, yeah. when you're on the move. And then when you finish the day, it's not like, Oh, I have three hours now to eat. It's like, no, I have literally a half hour to get to sleep so that I can wake up and do it again. Yeah. And I can't, yeah, it's like, every 
yeah, every minute counted. So it's like, what, <laughs> what's going to be us pour more olive oil on top or like put more avocados, drink more coconut milk yeah. and just make things as dense as possible. But is that a diet that I would eat on a daily basis if I was training for some other type of thing? No way. No. Yeah. 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 That's not your everyday dinner yeah. with the family diet. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, why would I blend greens in a smoothie? Cause well, there's no way. I think I ate two salads the whole 46 days. Yeah. I think I, yeah. And that one of them was probably not a full salad, but like, it just was not going to happen. Yeah. It was just like, give me, <laughs> give Make me it, calories. Yeah. Get the, as many calories in, in as easy way as possible. And then back out on the trail. Definitely. And yeah. the amazing thing is when I finished, like you'd think, okay, I was like, whoa, I, I mean, I was 152 pounds. I'm six, two. It was pretty scary. I was like, whoa, like you don't notice it when you're not looking in the mirror every day. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I was noticing like, oh, I can feel my shoulder blade a little <laughs> bit more. Oh, like, whoa, actually my spine feels a little bit more bonier and like things like that. But, um, it was, it came back so quick. I mean, yeah. I love to eat too. So that's like, that's why I think some of the time, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do like a feeding tube because I mean, it sounds like, oh yeah, just drop that in. And then I could have not even worried about it, but cause I love food yeah. and that was like the fun part of it. Cause Jenny would find certain things like, how about this? I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. And like, again, I know probably I was eating some greasy fast food. I used to be like, Hey, I got some hash browns or like, or like, this is what you're eating. I remember. Yeah. My buddy Horty would be like, okay, I got you some, you know, the hash browns. It was the only vegan thing I could find, but was that oil good for me to be consuming for long-term health? Probably not. Yeah. Again, it was short-term. It was just like, oh yeah, just eat those like sandwiches. <laughs> I was like, put two hash browns together <laughs> and just eat them. Um, but again, it was like temporary. Yeah. I was going to go back. And that's, that's what I think has been, you know, important to, to show is that there's times when I eat, it's just like sports foods. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are always asking about like protein powders, supplements, you know, are they the best food you can get? No. I mean, I think we should be getting our protein and, and other things like through whole foods. But if you can get dried wheatgrass juice powder or spirulina or moringa, all these things that I utilize now, um, those are to me still like a whole food that's just been dried. Yeah. Um, but ideally, yeah, you'd be eating fresh blueberries or your kale and, and things like that. that yeah. Are fresh. Um, but there are times to do it in sports foods, like whether it's protein powders, gels, drinks, there's a place for it. Yeah. Cause you can get them down. Totally. If you can't eat something, it's not going to be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the whole idea of like supplements is that it supplements your diet. Like yeah. it starts with the diet and those things like add in to top you up or give you the edge or the boost, but exactly. you can't just rely on it and eat garbage. No, exactly. Like it's not going to play not, out. I mean, you. some of them have like some amazing things in them, but a lot of, I mean, we all know this, but again, we sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, it's the hot product. It's like, oh, well, we've got this extract of kombucha leaf or yeah. like yeah. some weird, and there's no such thing as kombucha leaf, but it's just like these wild <laughs> ingredients. People are like, going to be Googling kombucha leaf. Yeah. And where yeah. like, oh, yeah. there's this in it. And I'm like, well, how much of that are you really getting in there? And yeah. is that really, um, whereas there are some amazing, like certain mushrooms and like, there are some like potent you know, just like spices and herbs and things like mushrooms. There's, there's definitely some powerful substance out there, like superfoods, green foods, but yeah. they're also at our supermarkets too. Like we know superfoods are broccoli. Um, it's fascinating. I don't know if you guys uh, follow Dr. Gregor's stuff, but he course, pulls out yeah. a lot of research where it's just like, well, like something as simple, it's not broccoli sprouts. It's not broccoli, you know, some derivative, it's just plain broccoli, like how like anti-cancer it is and like put it in, 
basically a petri dish with cancer cells and what it can do and so yeah. the, uh, those properties of these foods that aren't you know around the world coming from some but I, you super, know, i'm a big yeah. like i love superfoods but that's not affordable or sustainable for a lot of people, but right. there are these superfoods in our grocery aisles totally. and things like that where totally. I don't think a vegan and a powerful plant-based diet has to be expensive. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's exciting too. Like I feel like a big part of making a plant-based diet more approachable is also making it affordable. Yeah. And I, I grew up, I mean, we had food stamps growing up, but we didn't have a lot of money. We had a lot of gardens and we like grew a lot of vegetables during a good portion of the year. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was always canning my aunt. Like it, some of those things, like I feel fortunate that I had that experience doing. It's yeah. fun having kids, like getting them to see them psyched about certain vegetables and beans, you know, even though some days it's hard, like they go in and out of like liking certain things. I'm like what you don't like, you know, Ugh. this, like you don't, okay. You don't like tofu, but it's gotta be this way. Like it's funny. They're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My daughter loved, um, chickpeas. Like we put them in like our, we make like the butter chicken with tofu and cauliflower and dump chickpeas and lentils in there. And then all of a sudden one day she's like, dad, I don't like these. And then she loves to run. She's a little runner. And I just said like, no, these are like speedy beans. They like help you run fast. So then she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So now she asks for like speedy beans and all her stuff. <laughs> Like that's socks awesome. or whatever. I always, I always put superpowers on things for my yeah, son too. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to make you really strong. Yeah. It'll make me strong? Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that works for a while. And then, and then, you, they, then you got to yeah. tell a different story. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but yeah, you know, I, whatever they're yeah. doing. Because like I grew up, I literally would not eat anything but corn, carrots, and potatoes. Like yeah. I would choke down. I just remember counting the canned peas and beans and be like, oh yeah, I got to eat six of them because I'm six years old. And just being like, uh, plugging my nose, trying to choke them down. <laughs> yeah. be, they're disgusting. Whereas nowadays, yeah. And then having kids now where it's like, oh, I want coconut water or I want like. Yeah, they have so many things. Or just like, oh, I'm like, okay, well, that's not something Whole, we like. Whole do. Foods <laughs> expectations now. Yeah, or just yeah. like this yeah. level. And it's great because you want to introduce them to all these different foods and world cuisine. And it's pretty cool to watch. Like, they're just like, they could eat Japanese. I mean, granted, they are Japanese Americans. So they're like, they have yeah. that in their blood. But yeah. it's like, oh, I want ramen. I want sushi. I want, I'm like, well, I can't make that tonight. Like, we're making this. And I yeah. love to make food. But some days I'm just like, okay, we're eating beans and rice and we're gonna have a great sauce on it but so good yeah simple food never it's like yeah never underestimate the power of just like rice and beans and a tortilla right with some good oh, hot yeah. sauce and guacamole I, like, mean, I could literally eat that every day if same, i had to same i know some people say i could eat pizza every day i, I could eat beans and rice and every day yeah. well the recipes you share in your book too and and eat uh, eat and run they're all very approachable doable recipes of like normal food like there's nothing that's gonna be like things you've never heard of yeah for some people there might be like sometimes i i throw in a, like okay miso or i throw right. in spirulina and granted there yes. you can find them but um i try to with those recipes i try to introduce people to these foods because again yes. i got introduced to them but you can sub them out there yes. are other things you can do so what i try to do but yeah it's like for me part of the fun of a plant-based diet is like learning about these new foods and you don't have to i mean to me food is almost part of my life slash health insurance plan away like yeah although health insurance is so ungodly expensive in the u.s so like for me it's like okay i'm, I'm putting money and that's how i always looked at i decided i was going to eat more organic at first i was just like oh, i can't afford this it's just too expensive yeah and just made that a part of like okay this is where i'm putting an investment in my yeah. health and yeah you don't get to out, eat out as much and yeah, we have contests at home even now to this day. They're like, oh, we haven't eaten out in a week, you know, and just do different things like that. 
to, I mean, the pandemic was not good for the restaurant and food industries, but it got people cooking again. And yeah, it's for us, we still play those games because we, I like to try and say, oh, we haven't gone out to eat in a week and a half now or two weeks. And um, I think it's good because yeah, you can get kind of spoiled sometimes. Yeah. Even if you know, like, oh, I don't know if we can really afford to eat out as often, but like, yeah, eating out is not cheap. I don't know how it is here in Canada, but yeah. It's definitely <laughs> definitely not. cheaper to eat at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's always cheaper. Unless, you, unless you're yeah. buying like all shiitake mushrooms and yeah, you know, Brazil nuts, um, pistachio, Brazil nut, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shiitake salad. Then <laughs> then it's probably cheaper to, <laughs> yeah. to cook at home. Yeah. Um, just to give thanks, like I think one of your book be, being in, I've been on like my own plant based journey for the last 10, 10 plus years and. Um, there's kind of like three books. There's, there's a big running community and a big plant-based community here in Vancouver. And I'd say your book's part of the, the holy trinity of plant-based athletes, uh, yourself <laughs> and finding ultra by ritual and thrive by Brennan Brazier are kind of like the three sources that have inspired so many people here in Vancouver and beyond. So I just want to, um, as someone that, you know, that book was influential for myself. I just want to give thanks and well, thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was part of the, the Holy Trinity. We, we, call it, we, we call it the Holy Trinity. You've been dubbed. Yeah, yeah those, those three. Um, anyone that's like plant-based, athlete, those are the three books that always come up. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and it's coming up actually in a few days, uh, the 10th anniversary of Eat and Run. It's kind of crazy. It's amazing. been a decade already. I'm like, whoa, like, this is when like your friends are like, oh, yeah, time goes by a lot faster, you know. Yes. You guys, you guys have kids too, so you know, but... Um, yeah, the days can go by so slow sometimes, but then it's like, whoa, like 10, 10 years, 10 have, years passed. Diffs, uh, have passed. So, um, yeah, and it's great. And it's fun too, when people haven't read it yet. And I was just out running with, uh, the group last night and hearing from people like, oh, they're just starting it or they yeah. just came across it a month or two ago or, uh, hadn't read it yet, but they're excited to. So I think, um, that's great too. Cause there's always people, you know, being introduced. Totally. Well, and that's the thing, right? People are discovering more and more, like we talked about earlier, they're, you know, trail running and whether whether you're going to go for an ultra distance or simply you're going to try your first trail run of like three to five to 10K, whatever it might be, it's becoming more and more um, open and accessible to people. And so there's people discovering running. And then so they're discovering these people who have taken up space in there and written books yourself and these others that Zach have mentioned. And so then they stumble across this book and read about your journey and your experience. And maybe that gets them into, you know, being a, what we call like plant curious, right? They're starting to question their diet or be like, wow, this guy did this incredible thing, like while eating plants only, like maybe that's something that could work for me. And vice versa, there's people in like the plant based community that would be interested in hearing your story. And that like might be the gateway to them into running. So I just think it's cool that, yeah, it's been almost a decade. And yet really, if you think about it, like, the potential for your book to continue to like reach your story really to reach and touch and invite people to consider how they could change and grow. It'll never be dated. It'll never be dated, which is super cool. Right. And I mean, I'm I'm sure you've thought about that and are aware of that, but it's just the power of story. I mean, that's part of the reason why we want to have a podcast and have you on. It's like the power of story is so, um, uh, it's, it's foundational in how it can change the trajectory of our lives. Yeah, I mean, there's so many um, vehicles for like transformation, and like you mentioned, it is fun to hear somebody who like, oh, I've been plant based for ten years, but never ran, and then all of a sudden, like, they read Eat and Run or they got inspired to run. And, yeah, um, that's pretty cool. How it just 
it can go so many different ways for people. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there, there is in this day and age, I mean, it is cool that books are still cool to read yeah, yeah. <laughs> or listen to. Like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, more people like, um, audiobooks are super popular and it is, it is fun to, to reach people that way. Cause mm-hmm. I've read, um, I actually went back and read Eat and Run a couple of years ago because before that had been narrated by I'll someone to, else. I'll have to do the audio and, uh, now, now that, uh, now that it's in my voice again, cause people are like, oh yeah, the, the narrator was pretty good, but, um, uh, so it's, it's fun now. Like that's become a thing even for you know, really big name authors, um, that they read their books now. So just, yeah, audiobooks are a, a way that people can digest for and, sure and consume information. So yeah. yeah, it's pretty neat. And there's, um, yeah, books are still cool. I mean, I'm a big fan of reading and I do. Yeah. I always tell my wife and I, she talks about it all the time. Like if you, if you love books, you know, thank a writer, hug a writer because yeah, it's buy a, their book. Because a lot of times it's like, it's a tough, even my, I've gotten to know a lot of big name writers and it's funny. I don't run across any that say like, Oh yeah, I love to write. I mean, they like, I think it at times, but it's like, do people really love to run? I mean, I think people, you know, lie a lot about things and running and writing are probably a couple of things that, People like, oh yeah, they love to run, but like, there's times when you don't like, but love it. And of you know, I think a lot of times, and writing is uh, depending upon how it comes to you. Again, I enjoy, like, there are those moments where it's really enjoyable, um, where things are clicking, and then there's other days where it's just a struggle to get anything on a page, or feel like oh, I just erased that sentence five times. Yeah, and, like, going back, um, or my wife, you know, I'd come home from writing when we wrote Eaton, I mean, uh, North together. She'd be like, "What you got like?" a page and a half and you were gone for three hours at the coffee shop, you know, meanwhile, like the two kids are just driving her bonkers. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's tough to sit in that space, but yeah. you know, it's super popular. And then it's so worth it to be able to share story. And I think nowadays there are so many platforms to share stories, but yeah. um, the attention span too. I mean, hopefully books never go out of style, but it's yeah. like nowadays, like how can people consume with, the way that video and social media has created it's um it's tough to get people to to read books i mean it's but then prior to that people like oh i just didn't read books prior (laughs) like you just avoid it all together and then people be like your book was the first book i ever read and i'd be come on like really and i've had people tell me that and i'm just like how do you go through life and that be the first but it's so cool and it's like hey you did read a book yeah Yeah. i'm sure there's a lot of people who never really read books after getting out of school and yeah yeah, it's it's really easy not to so that's why you got to keep writing i know it's (laughs) uh i know i feel some urges sometimes to go back to the writing cave but like i just also know like just how grueling it is and just how tough it is but um yeah (laughs) yeah i have to like figure and again it's getting the right material and topic and then again there's so much about like oh what do people want what you know, how do you write something? I mean, I think it was interesting too with like North. It's, um, you know, there's like, there's any recipes, like people have wanted a cookbook for a long time. I'm just like, ah, recipe testing is such a grind too. Um, cause I don't write down a lot of stuff, but yeah. I do love sharing recipes. And I love, um, that aspect, but writing a cookbook on one level, I make perfect sense. Like people want it, but I'm just like, uh, is, yeah. Recipe yeah. testing for 20 recipes was hard enough. So, uh, <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for those, we'll, we'll wrap up in a sec because I know you've been uh, you've been doing the ultra 
distance and, and chatting today <laughs> um doing from presenting to you know being so gracious with your time to you know connect with all of your fans and sign all their books and say hello to everyone um for people that are listening that are maybe haven't run and and want to and 5k seems intimidating to them like do you have any advice for people to like lace up their shoes and get started um you know start with 5k get to 100k um are there any kind of sage sage words you have for people that are looking to just get started in running i think the first one is like don't wait yeah you know the time is now jenny and i it was a, a strong mantra when we did the Appalachian Trail. Like we, we really, um, I, you know, life is short, and I think people are like, oh, I'm gonna wait until I'm ready. Like, oh, I just need to do this, or maybe I should work out this way before I start running. And I think the biggest thing is get out, start walking, because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of people who don't want to enter the realm of running because they think, oh, I've got to run. I was just talking to somebody today at the expo about they're like, yeah, but I just feel like I need to run. So I came back after running for the first time and I'm like, you know, just think about shuffling, thinking about somewhere between walking and running, you know, high cadence, um, trying to hit 85 to 90 strides per minute, which means counting one side, each foot plant of one side and how many times that hits in a minute. And like, think about, you know, a granny gear spinning on a bicycle and, don't worry about, okay, I've, I can run for a minute and then I've got to walk for two or what, whatever it is that you're building up to, like you can do it. I mean, there's some people who are like, oh, I'm, I'm bigger than I normally am at this, you know, stage in my life. Like, I just feel like the, my joints and my body can't handle. And again, that's where lessen the impact by walking with combination with running, get your body slowly used to that and, and just kind of building on it. But don't feel like you have to wait for this like perfect time or, mm. you know, what, what can you do to get ready for it? I'd say just getting out there and I, talking about like my book or born to run and how it wasn't a book that inspired like barefoot running or, you know, people to start running and you know, people transform their lives after reading a book. I like, talked to so many people where I've lost hundred pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds. Um, actually we run a virtual book, uh, club and a few weeks ago and there was um a gentleman on there who had lost 500 pounds wow. and i was just like you know just mine my mind was blown like yeah. just like that so i think for people who are out there like placing limits or thinking like oh i just couldn't do that um the biggest i think hurt a lot of times is like that mental um hurdle and so getting over that and just getting outside like you don't have to have the perfect shoes you don't have to spend $300 on the latest technology of shoes and get like, just move your body, whatever shoes you have, whatever, um, whatever body you have at this moment. And, you know, just getting off the couch. And there's been, like I said, so many people have come up to me who were inspired to get off the couch and start moving their body for the first time. And they didn't do it because, oh, they felt perfect at the beginning and running was, oh, this is an amazing experience. It was a trudge and it was <laughs> yeah. like, a, you know, it was a slogger, but you know, and it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't have to be, I think some people assume too, when they start running, like it has to make, you know, they're looking like they're running a hundred meter yard dash out there and they're just, <laughs> you know, it's this graceful stride, like running can look, I mean, I know my form and my, it's this ultra shuffle kind of thing. And it, my body has learned how to just move efficiently. And I think that's what a lot of people have to 
figure out and tap into when they first start. Yeah. And the rest of it comes like figuring out, but it's, it's really just getting one foot in front of the other and doing that in however fashion you can. Yeah. Um, but I also think like connecting with groups is mm -hmm. great and instrumental. Um, you know, there's especially post, well, I don't know if we're done with the pandemics per se, but like post peak pandemic, we groups are getting, you know, together now. And it's great for that social interaction because having a little support system, whether it's once a week you meet, having that friend, having that pet that you need to take out and exercise, um, those can all help when you're like, oh, I just don't want to get out or yeah. I don't want to do this. Um, having that motivation throughout the week or to get you through those tougher days be super instrumental and yeah and, and never be afraid to like oh i could never run or get out with that person because i'm a total newbie or i used to run but i'm just getting back into it. i'm way out of shape don't even worry about that i think i've always learned a lot from people who are slower than me and faster than me and in everywhere in between and i think yeah you should never feel like you can't say, Hey, I need somebody to run with yes. um, and have it. Cause running can be so solitary and so, um, uh, individual that people can feel like, Oh, that's, I just got to gut it out. Yeah. I mean, use whatever. I mean, music, I mean, people listen to, I mean, and again, th that might defeat the meditative purposes of the run, but like, however it is, like takes you through, um, that and like, what's easiest to like, I don't know, tune in, tune out of yeah. your body. Yeah, there's not like a one size fits all kind of thing, but like the the impetus to just like start and then do what works with you and use it. Yeah, and then consistency of like being able to get. I mean, I'm I've been doing this for a long time, and one would think I have everything. Like there are days where I'm just like, don't feel like, especially when the weather isn't the greatest or yeah. when it's like that. And it helps to have something like driving you, and I think that that's really key. And and yeah getting into it and then once you get into the the groove you're you know it, it can be addictive in a certain degree like there's all these benefits that can come along but there's still always going to be those days where uh hard know. days <laughs> yeah hard yeah. days and i think having a support system for that and people who can same goes with like a plant-based diet like being around a bit that's why we had this expo um and i like coming to events like that because it has an energy that motivates inspires transforms like puts that i don't know <laughs> it's contagious when there's so many people and you're all there for a similar purpose it's like you know you all jump on the same train yeah totally and, and, and just the, the, to... the energy around that so um you know finding those ways like group runs connecting with others um i've done a ton of uh work with the visually impaired community over the last like four or five years and it's um i think finding ways to like to be giving back even though you might say oh i'm a new runner but guiding a visually impaired individual on a walk even like you don't mm. have to be a, like it's not like you're cranking out but like do something that's like connected to what you need to do for a form of exercise that might be volunteering giving back like that's super powerful and i feel like um finding those kind of things that can motivate you too to be yeah. like hey you know shoot i'm i can move my body like i'm not totally crippled i haven't i mean some people have lost appendages or may have you know something like a visual impairment but a lot of people are fully are mostly able bodied and we have a lot of our abilities yeah uh that aren't hampered and that, that first thing i've 
you know, you'll learn hanging out with people who have um, these like, and I put in quotes handicaps because a lot of people don't see them as that. Right. It's like whatever term you want to use, they're not as as abled as, but like that is like eye opening for a lot of people being like, hey, I actually have my legs, I have my feet, and I there's no reason I can't do this. And yeah. so when you put a perspective on something like that, it can be really powerful. So yeah, there's a lot out there. I think yeah. like running doesn't have to be this. Oh, you got to train like this. So you can do this race. So you can do it. It's there's so many things out there in the, the world of walking, running and again, yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with walking. I feel like ultra runners, we, we love to walk because yeah. like, we're out there like for so many hours and we go up these mountains and trails that, really aren't runnable in reality. Yeah. Um, so we become very good, efficient power walkers. Yeah, and yeah. We're comfortable with walking, but there's a lot of people that think, oh, if I'm a runner, I need to run, run yeah. nonstop. Even in our, our run, uh, we have a run crew that meets in Steveson and some people are like, oh, I can't come up because I, I can't run, you know, the whole time. And we're like, yo, we have people who just come out and walk. Yeah. And it's like forward is a pace. Yeah. So come on out. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's the, that's the invitation. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Forward is the pace. I mean, that's, that's, what we have to do in life too is we, you know, all have low points. We all have times where, you know, life is seemingly a drudgery and it's like, you just got to keep moving forward, whatever that is. And, yeah. um, keep, you know, slowly <laughs> inching, you know, towards something and keep learning, keep, you know, testing yourself, keep challenging yourself, um, whatever that might be. And yeah, there's ebbs and flows and, uh, yeah, you can't always be at the top of your game. <laughs> That's yeah. a good way to, to, to like close it too. Is that I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not always going to be at the top of my game, and but you can always learn something out there. And I think that's what it is. And it's whether it's in running or whatever hobby or pursuit that you have. I guess the the key thing is not to just sit back and you know, not uh, <laughs> and just live in. I, I know my buddy uh, Timmy. Uh, phrase this Timmy O'Neill um and I, I really like it he rather than like a bucket list he's like I'm living in the bucket like every day is living in the bucket um versus like oh I need to do x y and z I need to check this box um it's true it's like how can you live in the bucket every day That's and brilliant. feel like I mean again you're not going to feel your best and you're not going to be out there you know, feeling like you're on yeah. cloud nine every day. I mean, some people do that. I don't yeah. know, maybe they're on speed all the time or something <laughs> like that. But the reality is, yeah, you're going to have low points. and But, yeah, moving forward and, and just living the life that we have because, yeah, there's a lot. Life can be really short and a lot of people. Live in the bucket. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, Firstly, so grateful for, for your time, Scott. I know you've oh, been, like I mentioned, so generous. Uh, you, you haven't been here for a long time, but you've packed it in. <laughs> um, you know, if you squeeze in a grouse grind, it might be you versus Trevor Linden, you know, going, going scribe <laughs> for scribe. People will be confused. Um, we like to ra wrap things up with a few kind of random fire questions just okay. for, for fun. Um, so... We might, we'll throw a couple of random ones your okay. way and then we'll, we'll drop you off at the grind. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, just a fun one here. Have you ever dabbled with, uh, beet juice or cordyceps or anything like that for, uh, to see if, if you get any performance gains out of any of those foods? I have, I've done, um, it makes it sound like I've done cordyceps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, we do them too. Yeah, the, the EPO I, mushrooms. You know, I've done, yeah, I've experiment with different brands and stuff. I, 
I haven't like noticed huge effects, but it's really tricky. And I know my body pretty well, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, again, are they helping on some level that I can't perceive possibly? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think mushrooms are pretty amazing. Like the stuff that's been coming out um, and making them, um, you know, all sorts of mushrooms, but like it's, uh, they're, I mean, they're just a fascinating realm, I think in general. So anybody, yeah. um, gosh, I'm blanking on the documentary that was out. Oh, the one with uh, Paul Stamets. Yeah, the, uh... I mean, of course, he's in practically all of them. I mean, he's the master. Yes, like, he's, I mean, it's amazing. And he's he's still in BC, right? Like based here. He's he. I think he's in in Washington. Oh, he's in Washington. But okay. he he comes down here a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say, we've got a lot of mushrooms in this rainforest. Here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of all sorts. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think so. I've I've dabbled. Yeah, yeah. Cordyceps is one we play with. Beet juice. Those have been yeah. kind of two of the. Or the nitrates in general, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and I've done definitely, like, beet juice. Um, I can't say, like, again. You didn't win Western States because you're drinking beet juice? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think maybe there's, you might notice more benefits for short, yeah. shorter type duration stuff. But, again, it can't hurt. Like, yeah, a lot of what I do, um, ideally, we, you know, find more things that um, deal with muscular fatigue. Because a lot of times it's not yeah. your aerobic capacity. And with the nitrates, it, yeah. it helps with that aspect and um yeah maybe i know you mentioned like turmeric and stuff like that yeah i mean that's like where i think for ultra running it's it's like how can you combat inflammation yeah um whether it's by eating a diet that's like lower on the inflammatory cycle is probably more important but there's no drawback i mean beets are amazing yeah Yeah. concentrated you know forms of you know fighting off oxidants or nitrate you know nitrates um in general can be a powerful substance so Yeah. yeah You mentioned that, uh, you know, you love books. You've written some incredible books. Um, are there some some books from other authors that you've gifted a lot in your life or that have been kind of a few of your staples that are often at the side table or you kind of, your go-tos on the bookshelf that you can recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, ones that, like, I mentioned uh, today, I mean, two books that were most pivotal and again, they're, they might, they're not outdated, but I love reading older stuff. Like I feel like some books uh, get uh, forgotten or like, oh, they're not as current. But Spontaneous Healing and Mad Cowboy are two books that, um, and again, there, there's so many, so many books out there now that might be better, but they were just real transformative for me. They just opened my eyes up. Uh, Dr. Andrew Weil's approach to the body and healing was just like, there wasn't much out there like that that really hit me and um it was a huge and he spoke about a vegetarian diet back then but it wasn't like all plant-based or anything it just got me thinking differently like looking more at a, a vegetarian-esque diet mm. and, and looking at like things like flax seeds and all these foods i'd never been exposed to and then mad cowboy i mean howard lyman it's like Okay, if a third-generation cattle rancher can go vegan, yes, definitely a backwoods Minnesota hunting and fishing boy like me could do it. So, That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. those two, I would say, um, you know, I love like referring back to. Um, there's a book called Bone Games, which was really fast. Again, really old book. You can't. It's hard to find, but um, that was given to me, and it's just so cool to to read that book and. Rob Schulteis is just an amazing author that a lot of people don't know about, but his book was, uh, yeah, it just talks about all these aspects of like where, what happens to our minds and where we go and how do we do the, you know, 
the wild things that we set off to do and yeah. what, and he went on this kind of journey to, to figure out what's that. So that's pretty cool. And then, um, James Shapiro is, is one of my favorite authors. Um, and again, th- these are books that were in the early eighties, late seventies that he wrote, but, um, he wrote a book called, uh, ultra marathon at ultra marathon. And it, um, the way he describes a 24 hour race <laughs> made me like, okay, I never thought I'd run one of those. Like, <laughs> this just sounds so mind numbingly boring beyond boring. And, um, yeah, the way he wrote about it was just like, Oh, maybe I do need to try one of these races. So those are books like, again, yeah, harder to find, but if you can it. find a copy out there. Yeah. Any, any fiction? Are you, do you dabble in fiction? Or? Oh yeah. Fiction. That's a, that's a good question. Um, Some- Star Wars, Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's there's so much good stuff out there. I do find like, um, yeah, it's sometimes I like like to read stuff outside of. But gosh, what would I? I don't know. I just love books in general. There's not one like, oh, this was um, the most pivotal per se. Like at a, one point, I mentioned this in Eat and Run, um, Dan Millman's books. Um, they were like fiction, but also kind of like adventure adventure, and like spoke about the esoteric things. And so I kind of, at that point in my career and life, I was in my twenties. It was like, Oh, pretty fascinating stuff. And how he talked, it was kind of like taking karate kid from growing up as a kid and then being like, Oh, this is like the older version of karate kid. And like the, and he wrote like the peaceful warrior yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. That whole series. Cause you know, Way of the Peaceful Warrior yeah. and then... Way of Socrates. Yeah, Way of Socrates. Yeah. Like, again, they're kind of, I mean, I don't want to say outdated, but are they as hip nowadays? I mean, yeah. Maybe not, but it was these principles of like, yeah, it was like his Miyagi was... Yes, the gas station guy. Yeah, the gas station yeah. guy. And like, it just really resonated with me because I was really looking at a lot of things like breathing and meditation and taking care of our bodies and it really like spoke to me um at that's that point cool. so yeah i guess yeah Damn. i haven't i haven't like uh looked at those in a while but i mean i love all fiction i've been i, I have a stack of books i'm i'm a i don't know if it's like a chaotic reader or like i, <laughs> yeah. I can never seem to like i don't know if i'm just like me i can't focus too much but <laughs> i have like three four books always going Same. at the time and right now i'm reading um pontani was a god um it was it's a book that was written about uh, the great cycling uh, legend, uh, Marco Pantani. Cool. And always, he was such a character. I always like, liked his style, and he was just really fascinating to me. Um, so it's written from the angle of an Italian sports writer cool. um, and been translated. So I don't know how much it's lost in translation, but it's pretty cool. You get to hear these stories that weren't always told. Um, and then um, I'm actually reading a... Another book that's been started. It's actually a young adult book, so I don't have time to like delve into. But it's a indigenous uh, people's history of the United States and North America, and it's super cool because it's more condensed. It's like okay, two hundred pages versus like the you know six hundred page tomes of this yeah. stuff that can be yes. really dense and amazing usually, but. With my reading time I have these days with two young little kids amidst all the other stuff. So I'm reading that as well. And cool. um, it's pretty cool because, yeah, it's still really great writing. And like, what's that one it, called? It's called um, An Indigenous People's History of the United States. Okay. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've read Howard Zinn's work, like People's History of the United States. Um, you guys wouldn't read it probably because you're up in Canada, but yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of like the, 
but it's just focused on indigenous and first nation people very cool in the awesome. and like written from an angle of like no here's what has really happened yeah and yeah it's written for you know it's like at a high school level i actually um, love young adult fiction like, like <laughs> and this kinda... is like yeah real stuff yeah but, um young adult yeah, stuff that... yeah just because like a time wise like time wise like yes not to say some of the young adult stuff is like pretty like big books and like yeah. I, that's why when i always see kids ripping through 600 page books yeah yes. it's like wow it's cool to see but yeah so more out of like practicality is why i'm reading but it's it's really well written still very and, cool uh, nice fast. so yeah i kind of like read a, a little bit of everything i'm kind of all over the place cool I'll, I'll yeah. check those out. Uh, that was nice. Uh, I read Dan Millman in my like early twenties, and it kind of lit oh, me up cool. on my own spiritual journey. That and like Celestine prophecy. So oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice so to much. rethink of those ones. Yeah, yeah, I know. I sometimes forget about those. It's like yeah. my my wife and I are, like trying to go through like we have so many books on shelves. It's like, do we really need all these books around? <laughs> and like it's just probably nostalgia, but yeah, um, and maybe it looks good. <laughs> like oh yeah, we read lots of books. Like, meanwhile, we have like kids running around. Like yeah, we don't read anymore. <laughs> hardly get a chance to it's like how much information do we digest but um yeah. it's uh yeah and I've, I've seen them on the shelf recently and being like oh yeah but yeah it's fun but the classic yeah. spiritual tales yeah what uh what's your hot take on the ever popular instagram account your boy scott jurek ah uh, you know it's people ask me about that <laughs> that's secretly I, you right? i like <laughs> i mean uh, i guess i'm it's kind of weird that somebody is posing as me and then like, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow it. I've never actually looked at it. Okay. I just hear bits and pieces from other people or somebody yeah. else send something like, or somebody but, like, Hey, it, I really love that account that you are. Like, I'm like, that's, that's not, not me. me. And so people, I don't know. I am like a little torn. Cause I'm like, uh, you probably shouldn't be, if you want to be a comedian, yeah. then do it in your name or some other name. Like yeah. don't keep it on one. So I'm have a little bit of a hard time with it. Yeah. I don't even know who operates it, no. like who it's under, but um, you know, some of them are, I hear are pretty good. People like it. Like, do you guys like it? Like, is They're it? They're pretty funny. Okay. If, so if, you guys enjoy it. Okay. If it was you, I'd say you're the greatest uh, running, com- <laughs> running comedian of all time. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, there's ultra memes of course. And I bet like, yeah. see that's done on like, I don't mind like being poked fun at. I just don't want something to send people thinking that it's me, which right. is the weird thing. Like, yeah, when yeah. People do that, so um, that's that's my like yeah the only gripe with it is that if it could be done on a more generalized, like I don't mind being poked fun at or like yeah. yeah. But then people, if they do do something, they're like, oh yeah, that's got your guy. He's like such an asshole. Why is he <laughs> <Why'd> <laughs> yeah. you write stuff like all that? These yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but it is funny. Like some people think it's me, and yeah. yeah. For well, officially, for anyone listening, it is not. It is not. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is not. It is confirmed. It's <laughs> not Scott Jurek. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably, not probably saying it's not <laughs> me, and then it, it is me. No, it's not. It's um, probably, probably one of your rivals just trying yeah, to yeah, I take a dig. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's like an unofficial like fan fan page. Like I think whoever's doing it is like, probably like. I I think they're quite funny, but I get yeah. I get your gripes for sure. Yeah, People always tag tag me in them. My friends that don't run like. uh we live in Steveson where it's really flat and someone posted one the other day of like a trail that has no elevation and no big rocks. And they're like, this is you trail running Zach. <laughs> this is that's hilarious. That yeah. was pretty funny. Um, cause I think ultra memes is still yep. up and running. I, you know, they took a, yeah, took a break from it, but yeah. yeah okay. It's not Scott um, jerk people. Okay. So you prefer, you prefer, yeah, boy, Scott jerk over ultra memes. You're saying 
They're pretty funny. They're, they're close. Okay, all right. Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. You um, should just take credit. Just be like, I mean, I'm I, hilarious. I <laughs> it probably would have a lot more followers, maybe, if I said, like, yeah. I totally endorsed it. And yeah. you said, oh, yeah, it's me. And then, yeah, yeah. I'm sure whoever's behind you it would like them. that. You should meme them. You should do a meme about your memes. Yeah, I don't have enough time to do that. I know. <laughs> it's like, I, know. <laughs> I barely have enough time to post enough on my own social media. It's like, nowadays, yeah. there's like, how do you yeah fill the hours of your oh, day yeah. and it's um social media is like a great tool i'm not gonna be one of those people like oh social media is so bad i mean there are a lot of negative things about it but um it can be a source of you know powerful um it's a powerful tool yeah but, for sure. yeah it's but it also can be a total mind go, go waste. both ways yeah it's oh, and yeah. time waste is time sucks so i try to touch lightly on it yeah and yeah it's like if I don't get time to read a book, I also feel like I should yes. be on social media. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But also it's like, do I read and need to read the news? Like, yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. It's only so much time in a day, especially when you have kids. Yeah. Totally. Um, last one for me. And then Dean can wrap it up. Um, I'm a smoothie guy. What's, what's your go-to smoothie recipe? What do you love to, to blend up in your, in your blender? Lately, I've been going all like functional because um, yeah, <laughs> there's a I'm lot of like extravagance. So I've been going more functional. So there's some days where and a lot of people know this, like with kids, you don't have time to make like the perfect breakfast. So I've been throwing in oats of whatever t- variety, quick oats, you know, thick rolled oats, you name it. Um, throw it in with some kind of nut. It'll either be almonds. Maybe it's hemp seeds. Um so whatever something along those lines um walnuts if i were to like choose one that's why i like i've been trying to hone things down a little bit more like for instance like dr gregor like has done the analysis recently on like nuts like what nut is the best and a lot of that is there's still room for debate on some of that even though research would say one thing but walnuts you know would be if i have any um it's interesting it's harder to find walnuts lately but that would be the base and then um blueberries just in terms of their antioxidant abilities um or any type of berries i have frozen berries that i have on hand and then um my kids love mango so some has to be for the kids too my yeah. kids love mango so it's maybe got some frozen mango in there too again just quick things i can grab out of the freezer yeah and then you know bananas for sweetness yeah um and yeah we have bananas that are too far gone for nobody likes to eat bananas that are too ripe whereas i'll eat them when they're that way but yes. oh, yeah yeah my Sweeter. wife and kids are very picky about it so i throw those in too those and are the best ones i yeah. love yeah my, my mantra about bananas is bruised is best people yeah, like how do you I eat mean, those brown bananas i'm like yeah. that's the best i mean banana. they're definitely the highest sugar content yeah. for yeah. sure like they have more but and then you know sometimes i'll get you know throw in some turmeric or ginger root if i have that um but try to just yeah keep it like practical in terms of antioxidants some carbohydrate from the oats yeah you know healthy fats and just blend away and and go and if i do have some like nut milk that i've made i've been trying to have a hard time like buying milks and my wife is really into oat milk right now yeah and it's like every time i throw away a container so like um those is yeah listening i i think nut milk bags are the way to go and Amazing. just like press your own but so simple too people don't know how yeah simple it's it super is. simple but it still takes that it takes, one extra step yeah. and it only lasts so long in the fridge it definitely yeah. doesn't have the shelf life like it's a couple five days, days is yeah. pushing it um i've definitely had some fermented <laughs> almond yeah. milk in the fridge but yeah so i'd say um yeah usually i'll throw like some of that or soy milk another thing too sometimes i'll throw in if we have frozen edamame oh nice like 
frozen edamame are great. I mean, it does give a green color, so it'll yeah. kill the color. So if you need to keep it on green, then I'll yeah. throw in like some green foods or kale or something like that and make that one more green. But yeah. that's a great like protein source too versus that's going on. Um, but yeah, a lot of morning smoothies, I used to always put protein powder in, but yeah. don't always nowadays. I just like get a little bit from the nuts or the grains that I put in. Yeah. And like leftover rice, I'll sometimes throw in there, like brown rice that I've had from, you know, leftovers or that yeah. sort of thing. So I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. Again, being, yes. being practical um, and not too extravagant. The fridge, the fridge clean out like Appalachian Trail smoothie, just like whatever <laughs> yeah. calories in. The brown well, rice would, edamame yeah. smoothie. Yeah. That would be like, you know, throw in like coconut milk and yeah. like a bunch of like, you know, quarter quarter <laughs> of like whatever fat source oil source we have to yoga or pint yeah. to ice cream yeah. oh well yeah. exactly i love it yeah oh man that's so good we uh we're so appreciative of you like like zach had said um for those listening this has been a full uh full full day for you and weekend really so thank you so much for making time and, and being so generous um and willing to come and speak with us and share uh all your stories and stuff we're just so deeply appreciative um zach and i started this podcast and we wanted to be able to connect with amazing people that have done like really cool things in the world. And we called it a little more good. And the intention behind that was um, it's what we wanted to create in our own lives, in our communities, families, um, and beyond. And so we always like to ask our guest, what does that phrase mean to you? A little more good. I would say that a little more good is I mean, I think it's about like squeezing as much out of me as possible. Um, definitely feel like that after <laughs> how many hours has it been? Like yeah. 12 uh, or well, no, not quite maybe 12 yet, but um, close to 12 hours, like just, you know, out giving life energy. And I, I again, it's it's something where uh, I feel like it's a gift to be able to do that. Um, where I've had like a, and I hate to use the word like audience or, you know, base of people who know my story, but, um, yeah, we all can do that. So I think the important thing is it's not like just me having the ability to like squeeze. We all have the ability to squeeze out a little bit more of us, mm. um, in a positive fashion that can influence others. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say it on that level. Now, if you want to talk ultra running, <laughs> a little more good would be like, you know, what can you get out in terms of performance or how can, and that to me, that performance comes from squeezing more out of the depths of wherever you want to call that, whether it's a soul or wherever that comes from. But in ultra running, you know, it's, it's a ringing out of our body, mind and our spirit. And I mm -hmm. feel like, yeah, a little more good. It's like, we all have a little bit more left to give yeah. and I think we can get it out. So, um, yeah, I'd say for a lot of people, you can, you can do that. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have, I mean, I think nowadays with social media, people think, Oh, I, I've got to have a huge following or I got to have this platform. I need to get something. It's like, no, it's that family member, that coworker, the person you meet who asks you like, why are you eating that way? Why are you running that way? Why would you want to do that? Like, and maybe just triggering something and it may not light the spark now, but it might allow for a connection down the road. So I don't know. I think that probably would sum up. That's brilliant. Oh yeah. I mean, it. It's so good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, it's been a pleasure. 
um, on behalf of the Planted Expo and like Vancouver running community and plant-based community, thank you for, for being here, uh, for sharing yourself with us. Thank you to your wife, Jenny, and your family for, for having you come up here and take time away from them. So, um, yeah, it's just so great to connect this way. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, keep up the good work. I mean, I, I think, like I said, uh, we're all have that potential and I think we all like are doing it in our way and it, it always changes. So like we can, we can all have an impact on people and there's a, a lot of, uh, <laughs> tough stuff in the world always happening. So it's like, how do we, you know, combat that? We just got to keep, keep trudging along, yeah. <laughs> keep True. moving forward. And, the, uh, keep the, doing it. The keep ultra marathoners motto, <laughs> exactly. keep trudging along. Yeah. And it's I think so it's the, the human being, uh, philosophy too. It's yes, like, sir. yeah, it's like just, yeah, I mean, we gotta keep keep squeezing more out of us and and out of other people, and in a good fashion, getting getting uh, positive energy wherever we can. Yes, sir. Thank you, Scott. Awesome. Thank you, Scott Jurek. Wow, so good. I can't believe we sat down and had a conversation with Scott Jurek. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. That's pretty crazy. Shout out to Planted. Yeah. Planted Expo, Stephen. Making the dreams come true, Making really. Making the dreams come true. I'm just so appreciative, like, uh, not only of Stephen and the team for bringing Scott in and just the vision they have for creating just a world-class event really here in Vancouver, um, but also for Scott, like, saying yes, because it's a total add-on. And like like we had said, like, he was he was a busy, busy human that weekend oh, from yeah. the Friday night fun run to being at the event to speaking at the event. Like, it's an extra. And I mean... We, it was the very end of the weekend, really, and we were all feeling tapped. But thankfully for us, he's an amazing endurance athlete. Yes, and and really just like hung in and 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 showed up, which was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so so cool, so fortunate to be able to have had that conversation, and it just really feels a bit surreal, and is truly a gift to to talk with people like Scott, who are just incredible human beings. You know, yeah. There we go. I don't really have much to add to that because I think you summarized it perfectly. Honestly, so good. Grateful for Scott. Yeah. Grateful for the planted team and grateful for all of you listening and making it this far. Look forward to uh, continuing this ongoing conversation of a little more good with all of you uh, next week. Same time, same place. Yeah. Appreciate you all. Peace. 